It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by our friends at Fetch Me. Fetch Me Delivery, they're the only food delivery service that routinely trains its employees to follow and enhance their leading industry delivery guidelines and protocols. And of course, this allows Fetch Me to guarantee quality to their customers given their fetchers are employees. And the rest of the industry, you look at DoorDash or Grubhub, Uber Eats, they use independent contractors for delivery. So you know you're going to get a Fetch Me employee that knows exactly what they stand for. And they stand for a lot of the things that Auburn folks also stand for because they are part of the Auburn family, started by Auburn alumni. So use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. You can do the free uh, Fetch Me app in your phone's app store or go to FetchMeDelivery.com. So happy, uh, happy MLK Day to everyone. I know a lot of you aren't working, so you probably won't hear this until you're driving in on Tuesday morning. But thought I'd start uh, the show today with a, a quick one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King. He's got a million of them, but um, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. So uh, very, uh, very insightful man, and an important part of our history. So. Uh, today's show, I'm going to spend the first few minutes talking about Auburn's basketball game on Saturday. It was a disaster. It was not fun to watch. It was ugly. And uh, I'm sure if you're listening, you agree with this. And that's okay. Um, more on that in just a second. Also, Jay Hardy makes everything official. So we'll chat about that in a second. Then I'll be joined by Christian Page of CoverOne.net. He is down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl this week. We'll talk about some of the Auburn guys. Well, there's only two. There's only two. Marlon Davidson and Prince Tega Winogo, but we will chat about them and their chances and, and what Christian expects for them this week. So looking at Auburn's game against Florida, Auburn dropped it 69-47. to We talked with, uh, with Zach from Locked On Gators. We both picked Florida to win. I thought it'd be much more competitive. I thought Auburn would show up. I thought Florida would just kind of say, hey, we're the better shooting team. And that is ultimately what happened. I mean, Auburn shot... Let's see. They shot 25.5% from the floor. Florida shot right at 50. That's enough right there. Under 26% shooting. That's not from three. That is from the field. They went four of 23 from three. That's 17.4%. Auburn didn't shoot well, and they haven't shot well for a while. And uh, that's the big question with this team is how much can they win in conference play when guys aren't shooting, I mean, looking at the starters, Javon McCormick, 1 of 7 from the floor. Samir Dowdy, 3 of 12. Austin Wiley, 4 of 10. Isaac Okora, 1 of 7. Anthony McLemore, 1 of 3. Danielle Purifoy, 3 of 11. Danielle made the first three, and I think he thought he was hot the rest of the night and kept pulling up shots. He went 1 of 6 from 3. 
Jamal Johnson only shot it one time. That's curious to me. Devin Cambridge, one of three. Alan Flanagan played 11 minutes, shot it one time. He missed it. I mean, this is just a, it was a bad outing. And the crazy thing is, even when you look at other nights when Auburn has shot as poorly as they did, I guess I don't think they've shot 25.5% from the floor at any other point in this game, but when you go through the the game uh, the the you know the stat sheet, there's usually one or two stat lines you're like, okay, well he showed up, and sometimes that was enough to win. Like Wednesday night against Alabama, Jamal Johnson had a good night. Isaac Okoro was fine, and then they didn't do it on Saturday. I mean, there was no one that showed up for Auburn, and I didn't expect it to be good, but this is bad. This is bad, but. It's very similar to when Auburn lost to Kentucky last year and they caught fire. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You start 15-0, and you lose two straight. It's not that big of a deal. They get South Carolina on Wednesday. I think they're going to take care of business there. And then they get Iowa State on Saturday at 11 o'clock tip, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And I think they take care of business. I think they take care of business this week. They, you know, they had a rough week. You hate that it was early on in conference play. That that game in Florida was big. Auburn's going to kind of fall down the standings in SEC play for a bit. But when it's all said and done, I think they're going to be okay. I think it's going to be fine in the long run for Auburn basketball. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On, both the national brand and Locked On Auburn, to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Auburn is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Auburn fans, just like you, unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives you local exposure for your local company, and it gives your company the unique ability to reach loyal and local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, local ones. A Locked On podcast listener, if your company wants to connect with Auburn fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. That's no secret. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit on slash advertising and let us know who you are. That Once again, that is text the word advertising to 33777 or visit on slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, I want to talk about this uh, this Jay Hardy story. So Auburn has received the the National Letter of Intent for four-star defensive lineman Jay Hardy. So he actually signed with the Tigers on December 18th, but he tried to keep it quiet until the second National Signing Day on February 5th so he could sign with his teammates. But Saturday, word began to leak uh, that he already signed with Auburn. And so his mother confirmed that with Auburn undercover. He will be on Auburn's campus this summer and he's been committed since early November of 2019. 247 Sports has him as the 102nd overall player in this class, the number nine defensive tackle. And so it was really down to Auburn and to Tennessee. And I think it's uh, it, there's a funny story here. Brian Stoltz, 
He writes for uh, AuburnWire.USAToday.com. He put out a story, and Brian and I follow each other on Twitter. This is where I originally saw it, but I'm just going to read parts of his, his article because I think it's really interesting. On Saturday afternoon, news broke that Jay Hardy, a four-star defensive lineman from Chattanooga, had officially signed with Auburn. Almost a month after the early signing period, Hardy's signature had seemingly finally come in for the Tigers and ended rumors that he would eventually go with his in-state team, the Volunteers, that had been courting him over the last month. But the interesting thing is, if Tennessee's coaching staff would have been paying attention, that recruiting would have ended on December 18th. According to a source, the fact that Hardy had signed with the Tigers, that that had been public information to coaches since last month, as it was visible in the NCAA compliance portal. Were the coaches at Tennessee privy to the fact that they could just look it up? I guess not. Did they continue to visit with Hardy, the recruit possibly telling them that their signature was still available? Uh, Most likely, according to Stoltz. Yet the game continued, and the fact of the matter is, this falls on the Tennessee coaching staff. So he, he was official to Auburn all this time, and the Tennessee coaching staff kept recruiting him. They, they, they spent all of their time trying to keep him in state, but his recruitment <laughs> was already done. Can you imagine if a report came out like this, similar to Gus Malzahn, how people would be all over Gus Malzahn across the, the SEC, across the country? And I just think it's hysterical. Uh, Stoltz writes, if they knew this site existed, which is doubtful, did it not come up once to check? What's going on inside the halls of Knoxville? <laughs> is Jeremy Pruitt awake? While Hardy wasn't exactly truthful with the coaching staff in Knoxville, it's hard to blame a kid for wanting more attention during the recruiting process. I think that's, uh, I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. And if you spin this around, and if it was, if it was on Gus Malzahn, or even if it was on Nick Saban, you know, one of the bigger name coaches in the SEC, it would be a big deal. It would be a big deal, and I, and I think the way it was reported and when all the tweets came out Saturday, it was during Auburn's basketball game, it was, oh, cool, a lot of folks were saying, he finally sent it in. This is fantastic. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. He committed on December 18th. He sent out his, or he committed on November 6th, but he sent in his, his letter of intent ending his recruitment a long time ago on December 18th, and uh, <laughs> the coaching staff at Tennessee didn't know about it. I think that's hilarious. I think that's absolutely awesome. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. We're now joined by Christian Page with CoverOne.net. Good friend of mine. Christian, it's been, uh, it's been too long since we've chatted, man. How's it going? It has been, but I'm good, brother. How about you? I'm doing well, man. All right, so you're down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and uh, two Auburn guys down there, right? So what's, what's kind of your, uh, your outlook for the week regarding Marlon Davidson and Prince Tega? Yeah, starting with Prince Tegawanogo, I think this is a perfect situation for him. Kind of in that maybe 45 to 60 range. I know that's kind of uh, a decent range there, but I think he's kind of looking at that early day two slot. Yeah, Offensive tackle classes, it's, it's getting stronger. Uh, Austin Jackson declaring from USC, Jedrick Wills declaring from Alabama, and Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas 
up there at the top and probably in the top 10, top 15 pick. But with Winogo, I think he did take a slight step forward here. I still think you can kind of see him running a little bit from that transition from defensive line when he came to Auburn and now offensive line at left tackle. But I think probably more of the one-on-one drills at, at the Senior Bowl is something that he needs to kind of hone his craft. And I think his footwork's fine. I think his hands are a little sporadic at moments, but I think you know going up against top-tier pass rushers, I think that's where Winogo makes the most money this week, and we'll see how uh, how technical he is because I think those are some of his struggles. But 32 starts in his back pocket at left tackle, that goes that's really good going forward. I think he has all the tools to succeed at the NFL, but I think he needs to maybe a little more patient, uh, and we may see that this week. I think he'll kill it in the interview process. Yeah. As far as Marlon Davidson, I think he took a huge step forward uh, this season. He went from three and a half sacks to seven and a half sacks. I think that was one of the major, I don't want to say, uh, you know, weaknesses he had, but I think when you're comparing him to the top tier edge rushers, you have to have that production. I know he's a little different based on scheme. I think you can put him inside. Maybe you put him in a three, four alignment and maybe first and second down, he could, you know, really be that, that down 3-4 lineman or push him inside in a 4-3, maybe on third down pass rushing situations. But I think overall Marlon Davidson is a solid and pretty clean prospect. But I think maybe his, I'll say lack there of production, but I think maybe just compared to the other top-tier guys in this in this class, I think that may be where he falls a little short. But still, I think he's a day-two pick for sure. Do you think there's any chance that uh, a team will get Marlon to stand up, or do you think he's uh, purely a defensive lineman at the NFL level? I think the athleticism's there, and I think the intelligence is there for Marlon. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that Kevin Steele told him or, or asked him to do that he couldn't do or that he wouldn't take head-on. So I'm not going to necessarily rule that out completely. Um, and I think he has the athleticism to do that, maybe not to the extent of some of his other contemporaries in this class. Uh, but I definitely think that – I think he is versatile in that sense, so I don't think he can necessarily be pigeonholed as far as the draft goes. And for a projection standpoint, I think that's huge because I think they're looking at a top 50 pick and, hey, you know, Marlon, do you mind standing up for us in a 3-4, putting your hand in the dirt in a 4-3 on first and second down and maybe moving inside yeah. uh, on third down and being that interior pass rushers, which are super coveted in today's NFL. So I definitely think there is some versatility there. Um, but I would say most likely – He's a hand-in-the-dirt type of defensive lineman, but I wouldn't put it past him to really line up anywhere across that front seven. So you've been following the Senior Bowl and the NFL Draft for, for as long as I've known you. That's that's kind of what blossomed our friendship. Are you surprised there's only two Auburn guys down in Mobile? I mean, I'm a little surprised, you know, some of these defensive backs for Auburn aren't there. Jeremiah Denson or or Daniel Thomas. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Javaris Davis. Yeah, I think Javaris Davis was the one that, that kind of threw me for a loop. Obviously, Derek Brown... Uh, I think it was rumored that he accepted, but he doesn't need the senior bowl. He's yeah. the top five, top three talent in this court or in this class. He doesn't he doesn't need to come here and prove anything unless it's from an interview perspective. Right. Uh, but yeah, Javaris Davis was the one. I think he has you know the top end speed that you're looking for a corner. I think he has the versatility to play you know nickel or put him on the boundary. And I think he's one of the best tacklers. Period on the Auburn defense. I think he's one of the best tacklers in the secondary when you stack him up against any of these players in this class. So. He was the one that was more concerning as far as Jeremiah Denson, I uh, believe, is at the Shrine Bowl this weekend. Um, so that doesn't surprise me that much. I think he had a solid season. I think Javaris Davis is the one that really stands out to me because I think he has a lot of tools and versatility that NFL teams would like to see in that situation and maybe see you know, what, 
what scheme he could fit in at the senior bowl. But that's the only one. But I think I think they made the right calls with the Auburn guys. What about uh, what about Nick Coe's situation? Surprised a lot of people by declaring for the draft. I thought he was going to transfer. I didn't think he was going to be on Auburn's team next year, but I thought it was going to be him kind of stepping away from the program, staying at the college level. No, he, he, he's entering the draft. Uh, physically, he's got a lot of things that you would like. Athletically, I think it's all there. What, what are your thoughts on Nick Coe going to the next level? What, what, what are the scouts going to say about him? Yeah, it definitely uh, concerns me when he declared. I mean, he had as much hype, his first-round hype, as really anybody in the SEC coming into the, the 2019 season. He, he just fell short. You know, like you said, he has the physical attributes. It's kind of that like body beautiful defensive end that a lot of teams covet. The long arms, you know, the the, the long torso, you know, its ability, you know, to convert power to speed and vice versa. But I don't know if it was just an injury concern this year or what it may be, but he just couldn't produce and he got overshadowed by two really good seniors. So I don't yeah. think that's anything bad you could say with Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown, but it's definitely concerning. Um, is he still a draft pick? Probably. Um, just based on maybe how he tests, I think that combine invite would be super important for him. Um, but yeah, it definitely it definitely concerned me because you know he left a lot of potential on the table, um, which I think coming into this 2020 season for Auburn and the personnel that they lost on that defense, excuse me, that defensive line, I think he could definitely you know bolster himself into that top 50 conversation because the recognition's already there. He has that name recognition to be one of the top uh, edge rushers in this next class, but. It definitely concerned me, especially, you know, in the timing of it all, too. You know, yeah. declaring before the bowl game, not playing in the bowl game. So it was definitely an interesting process. Yeah, um, and that's right after I mean, Derek Brown came out and said that, hey, I am playing. Then it's kind of like, then you're going to say, okay, you're not. It's just kind of, uh, I don't know, bad optics there, if you ask me. Yeah, it really is. Because Derek Brown, you know, he's, like, like we just said, top three, top five talent. Yeah. And most likely a top ten pick in this class. And he's like, well, I'm playing regardless. And I know from the leadership and, and the senior standpoint, you want to set example for the younger guys. But still, with Nick Coe with a lot on the line, you know, with bowl games, you know, some people, that's, I mean, that's the last game you see. And you would think, you know, against a good team like Minnesota, if Nick Coe has a good game, he could kind of jump back up into that conversation. But definitely a lot more questions with Nick Coe than we have answers at this point. All right, Christian, really anxious and, and curious to get your thoughts on Noeg Benogany. He's a guy that I have been obnoxiously high on all season long, even dating back to last year. That that switch over uh, to the other side of the football to play corner, I, I thought he has been exceptional. I think the league's going to love him, those long arms. What are your thoughts on Noeg Benogany? I'm just mirroring exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. You've been pumping him up for probably longer than the past two years. I mean, when he made that transition, I think – when we really saw it in that Washington game in the 2018 opener, I think you really saw, you know, what he's capable of against some really good Washington wide receivers. Um, but yeah, Igbenogany, he has world-class speed. You saw that in the kick return in the bowl game versus Minnesota. Um, he has the physical attributes, like you said, the long arms uh, and the ability just to kind of, you know, backpedal and move his hips and to make a play on the football. Sure, he gets a little grabby downfield. His awareness can be hit or miss at times when the ball's in the air. But overall, you put him on the boundary side, I think you're getting a really solid corner. So I think a lot of people may be in that early day three conversation, but he's probably going to run a really fast 40. You know, that can always bolster your draft projection going forward. So if he runs somewhere in that 4-3 range in the kick return ability he has and the coverage skills he has, I think Noah Ikbenogany could be one of the more surprising guys maybe in this Auburn class. We know a lot about him, but I think some of the fans in the NFL – 
draft media is just introduced to him right now. Sure. But I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised when it comes down to it. Do you think the fact that he's only been doing this two years is going to help him? I would think it is. Yeah, I think so, because I think a lot of times you look at just that maturation process and just you know your development over the first couple years and that there's so much potential left on the board. So I definitely think you know some of his athletic traits carried over quickly, and I think there's a lot there to mold because – I mean, it's almost like with a job situation. You don't want to be overqualified in a sense. You want to be able to teach him and throw him into your system. And I think yeah. Igbenogany has maybe a little bit of that flexibility and versatility to just be anywhere. And I think his special team's ability definitely helps him be – and it helps the team, I guess, be a little more patient in that process. But I definitely think Igbenogany, a lot of NFL teams are going to like him. Christian Page with CoverOne.net. What are some of the content that, that folks can expect from Cover One this week, man? Yeah, so tonight we have the opening press conference at 5.30. Jim Nagy and a couple players are, are going to talk, so we'll have some coverage there, mostly probably on social media, Twitter mostly. Um, and then Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning, at about 7, 7.30 is when the big events start. We have the weigh-ins, we have media days, and then we have the, the couple practices of the North and South. So just really at underscore Christian Page, at Cover One uh, on Twitter, uh, the two places you can look for, and we'll just have a bunch of content. Just maybe whatever crosses our eyes, uh, we'll get it posted out there for everybody to see. Awesome. Christian, before I let you go, man, your Tennessee Titans, what a run, dude. Man, it was crazy. And and I wasn't really disappointed yesterday. I mean, I, I think they, they put up a solid fight. And sure, Derrick Henry didn't maybe have that game that we had hoped to see him based on the past couple games. But yeah. I think with their backs against the wall, you know, two and four, and then they made the switch over from Mariota to Tannehill. Sure. And that gave this team a spark. And, and I'm really happy what Rabel did. But the offseason's crucial. What does what Ryan Tannehill's contract look like? Is it like a two year, $14 million, Or how, how high do they want to go? Right. And Derrick Henry's going to, if he has a good agent, Derrick Henry's going to be looking at maybe the top paid running back in the NFL. So Tennessee has a lot of decisions to make, but at least it comes after a solid season. Awesome. Christian, thank you so much for your time. Once again, that is Christian Page with CoverOne.net. Have a good week down in Mobile. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Zach. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Let's go! It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.